0: Ladies, why are you sitting by the phone waiting for that guy from the bar to call when you instinctively gave him the wrong number? And guys, you stop by the bar to buy some brew pretending you need a place to watch the game on a big screen. While at home, your fridge has no food, but is filled with 30 cans of your favorite beer, not to mention the brand new 75 inch flat screen on your wall. Why the deception? (laughs) Find the answer here on your way station called the Tango Chicago Podcast, where your life is going to change forever. This Tango Chicago podcast is sponsored in part by the law firm of Chadwick and LaCurtis, located on the beautiful shores of Lake Michigan in Chicago's Hyde Park neighborhood. For the culturally curious, Hyde Park is the Chicago home of the finest US American president, Barack Obama, of Chicago's finest mayor, Harold Washington of Chicago's finest university, the University of Chicago, of Chicago's finest museum, the Museum of Science and Industry. As the finest law firm in Chicago, Chadwick and Curtis is pleased to serve you in these areas. Personal injury, medical malpractice, civil rights abuses, nursing home negligence, product liability, worker compensation, and wrongful death. You can reach us at (laughs) 773-955-1088.
1: Hello? Yeah. Wait a minute. Let me get you guys merged in. Mrs. Ten? Yeah, uh, please.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Mrs. Ten and Mr. Ten. Okay. <laughs>
2: this is ex Mr. Ten. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been unmarried, <laughs> so I lost my t- title. <laughs>
1: You lost your royal title? Yeah. My name is Al Gates, which is... Yeah, the, we know. <laughs> the, the, least, ...the least important person in this conversation. And I'm speaking with two icons of the Tango community. Karen no. Ma Tin Scalise. Scalise.
3: <laughs> she already had three last night, so don't forget this.
1: She's collecting them like a tango woman, isn't she? And <laughs> <laughs> Tim Ten.
2: Timor Ten. Tim,
1: yeah. Okay. Timor Ten. I have to give a disclaimer before I start. If you are a male and you have a woman in the room with you, now is a good time to make her leave out of the room. We don't want her influenced by a tango woman who might influence her counterclockwise to how you've trained your significant other. If you have a wife, you definitely might want to have her leave the room. So hopefully this is... Rated adult. And yep. you are going to hear some things that are unbelievable. And the reason that I'm inviting these two guys to uh, speak is their trek in tango and in life has been so incredible. Nobody would believe if I told them. So I'm letting them tell you with their own mouth. Say hello, Miss Tin Salis. Ma.
4: <laughs> Ma. Uh, Hi, Al.
1: And Tim?
4: Hi, Al. Hi,
2: Karen Moskalis. Ken, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) You're a Karen at the end of the day.
1: (laughs) Uh, This this, uh, interview is done tongue-in-cheek because these are not only students of mine who have been in the studio for 10 or 15 years. They're also great dancers, excellent tango instructors. So I would advise anyone who aspires to be a great dancer, this is the interview you might want to hear. And if you're interested in understanding how to become a great instructor and dancer, this is an interview you don't want to miss. I like to preface This interview by saying, even though these two people are a creative couple, they're no longer a married couple. (laughs) (laughs) However, if you have the opportunity to be in a milonga, when these two people get on the dance floor, everybody else sits down and watches. This should be a treat for anyone who really wants to be a great tango dancer. Ladies first, I'd like to regress you. Back to the beginning. Can you give us a little history of how you were raised, where you were brought up, where you went to school. Tell us a little I something. Have to go
4: that far back?
1: Are you gonna be a whiner in this conversation? <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh, I only whine to you, Al. Only you.
1: Yeah, I don't know.
4: I'm Karen. I was born and raised on the south side of Chicago and I went to twelve years of Catholic school, and then I went to UIC for my undergrad in health information management, my parents didn't think I was going to graduate and I was a real tomboy. So wearing heels, getting dressed up, it wasn't really my thing. My parents wanted their firstborn to be a boy and they treated me like a boy. I was always camping and fishing and spending time outdoors mainly doing kind of tomboy kind of things. I went to college. My parents, I was never really a good student. My parents didn't think I was gonna make it. As an incentive to graduating, they said that they would send me anywhere in the world. At that time, I was working several jobs. I was working at Lincoln Park Zoo, I was working at Loyola University, and I was working at Walden Books. And so I told my parents for my college trip, I wanted to go to the Amazon, the rainforest. (laughs) (laughs) And they didn't understand that, but they said, okay, you know, whatever you want to do. (laughs) You do whatever you want to do. So I was lucky because while I was working at the zoo during my lunch break, um, one of my coworkers, Katie, asked me, she said, now that you're graduating, what do you plan on doing? And I said, well, I'm going to go to the Amazon. And at the time, it was, I I mean, I'm much older. There was no actual websites back then. So it wasn't like I could easily search for trips to the Amazon on a website because there weren't really websites developed back in the those days. Gosh, I feel old. But anyway, you are old. Uh, I'm not. Old. <laughs> Shut up. Um, and
1: could you please stop washing dishes while we're talking? Because you can. I'm not
3: washing dishes. It sounds like you,
1: you don't get to do that's, domestic stuff. Don't my, stop rad, my, Stop rattling stuff while you're talking. That's, uh,
4: that's, talk to my ex-husband. He's the dishwasher.
1: Hey. <laughs> Tim, are you washing dishes? Yeah. No, no, not
2: anymore. Uh, yeah, <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> uh, th-
1: th- thank you, honey, for identifying the real culprit.
4: <laughs> I, I told you. So, so, I went to. So, what had happened was I went to the book. I, I was working at Lincoln Park Zoo and I was telling my friend Kate that I want to go to the Amazon. I was very lucky because at the time there was no website to do research on companies to travel with. And she came back with these brochures and she said, Karen, you know, check this out. There's a guy downstairs who's giving away trips, to, you know, he's not giving away, but who's offering trips to the Amazon. There's like a lodge in the middle of nowhere. She handed me all these flyers. So that's, job number one. It was funny because I went to job number two, which was the bookstore. They were also asking me what I was going to do after graduation. And I was talking about how I was going to Peru and I was going to spend some time in the Amazonian rainforest. And one of my coworkers, Jim, But the whole day, like, for eight hours, I was working in this bookstore. He was, like, making fun out of me. I think he told me something like, they're going to make you swallow balloons with cocaine in them, and then they're going (laughs) to push your body out of a plane and then cut you open and harvest, like these cocaine laden balloons and that's what's <laughs> gonna happen to you and this went on all day at work. So at the end of the day I looked at him very seriously and I said to him and he was we were colleagues, we weren't close friends and I looked at him very seriously and I said, Yeah, I'm like you've been talking about this all day and I said, You wanna go, don't you? He looked at me and he says, Well it sounds kinda interesting. He ended up going with me on this trip. My he goodness. almost died on this trip, okay, but that's a totally different story. It has nothing to do with tangle or me but anyway. <laughs>
1: and who paid for this trip your parents paid for it
4: my parents paid for this trip the first year they paid for this trip. I've always had about three jobs. As long as I can remember, I've always worked three different jobs. I loved it so much that I saved up enough money to go the following year. I loved the second year so much I saved enough to go the third year. Actually, I went with National Geographic, which was a great trip. They were doing a documentary on a indigenous people of in Peru called the Chachapoyans. It was very fun to watch National Geographic, their writer and their, their photographer, in action the whole time. After that trip, I actually met another tour group group who asked me to go on another trip to film a documentary about macaws, and that was through nature. I had a very naturalistic kind of life prior to becoming a tango dancer, so that's my background. You think this
1: is a natural life, going, running around naked with... <laughs> With aborigines in 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 the jungles of the Amazon. You think that's pygmies, normal?
4: Pygmies. Those are pygmies, not
1: <laughs> aborigines. <laughs> you leave the suburbs to go to meet black pygmies in another in another hemisphere when you could have just moved into a minority neighborhood and had some black people living next door to you. <laughs>
4: What they're South American, are you crazy? Oh,
1: Gosh. oh, oh, pygmies are white,
4: aborigines. <laughs> you just said they were pygmies, they are pygmies. Aborigines.
2: <laughs> 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 you just told Bill to stop calling them, already. okay. <laughs>
3: Okay, so I'm about to get my house
4: burned for this. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: so you took a trip to the Amazon. Yes. And how much did this trip cost, by the way? What was the average really
4: ab- wanna know? <laughs>
1: yes, what was the average cost of the trip?
4: Oh my gosh. It was I think it was at the time like two thousand five hundred dollars and that's not including the airfare. Mind you I know it's expensive, and when you get there, it's not like the Marriott. Like, there's no running water or internet or anything of that nature, okay? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I slept on a tarp and under a tarp, surrounded by mosquito nets. <laughs> oh, my God. It was worth every penny, okay?
1: <laughs> so you enjoyed not washing for two months. Is that what you're saying? <laughs>
4: my students any of this, okay? Because they don't need to know these details. That's too much information now.
1: Okay. (laughs) All right. So, you make your trek to the Amazon as a graduation gift. You come back. What did you do?
4: Well, I started working at Northwestern Memorial Hospital. I was their supervisor on second uh, shift in their health information management department. Mm
3: -hmm. What
4: had happened was, I was actually working in the industry that I went to school for a friend of mine from school um, her name is Isabella she's from Poland and she's a very good friend of mine who graduated with me told me you know what you don't want to work in a hospital forget about that like you need to go into the pharmaceutical industry and do clinical research uh, I quit my job I was driving about 60 miles a day from Chicago to Bannockburn to to work for a company called Forex Mm -hmm. Uh, It was clinical research organization. So it was a trek. Okay. So every day I drove sixty miles to and from work. After about almost a year, Isabella's husband was working for Motorola. He actually had, was relocated to Berlin, Germany. Mm -hmm. He moved to Berlin, Germany. Isabella actually moved to Berlin, Germany with him and their son. And they worked, she worked for Perexile out in Germany. Okay. Mm -hmm. So she got me a job there. I was working there. She left to work for the same company in Germany. After she left, six months after that, uh, they laid everybody off. They just closed down the whole department in Bannockburn. Is that
1: because you were doing a poor job?
4: No. (laughs) Shut up. It was like they laid off a lot of people. It was like 20-something people in that department. So they laid everyone off.
3: Mm -hmm.
4: And I couldn't have been doing a bad job because what had happened next was I was invited to work in Germany in their Berlin offices. Mm -hmm. That's how I ended up moving to Berlin, Germany, and having a contract working as an expat at Paraxel in Germany, which is where I was actually introduced to Argentine Tango for the first time.
1: Get out of here. Let's see. You go from Pygmies (laughs) to Germany. Okay. Right. Well, 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 I'm... I'm not saying anything. I'm just trying to let let <laughs> let our listeners know how you really think. Uh, you know this. <laughs> you you deal with a tango woman. This is what you get. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that's all. Hey, hey. I'm just saying. Okay. So you're in Germany, and how did you get introduced to tango in Germany? Okay.
4: So this is really insane because. At the time, I was dancing salsa, lots of salsa, mm-hmm. okay? So, mm-hmm. I was very much into salsa, and I wanted to go out dancing salsa all the time. In my office in Germany, there's no privacy. like There's no cubicles that they have in the United States. We were in a large room with a round table and all the computers. Um, I think there was like one, two, three, four, five. There were six people in my office that I shared it with, and we shared a very large round table and all our computers were on the table, and we would just be staring at each other all day long. (laughs) There was no privacy in this office. Okay. And you could smoke in the office, okay? That was the other thing. Mm. The funny thing about living in Germany is that they built a state-of-the-art office that had a relaxation room, showers, workout rooms. Every bathroom stall had its own individual sink. We had a kitchen with a full stove on every floor. The Germans said they were given a poll, and they said, we don't want air conditioning, It's very unhealthy to breathe in, free Well, it's like 90 degrees sometimes in Berlin. It's like (laughs) there's no air conditioning, but everyone's smoking in my office. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Which was interesting, yeah. So the thing is, is that there was another man who was hired the same day I was, who I was shared an office with, and his name was Tomas. And Tomas was a tango dancer. And Where was he from? He was from Berlin.
1: So he was a German.
4: He was German born, yeah. Okay. I I think he was in... well. He was German born. I don't know if he was born in Berlin, but he, he resided in Berlin. He was a natural, you know, German mm-hmm. born citizen. He was actually a surgeon. We worked together. At the time, I was a salsa dancer and he was a tango dancer. And, you know, we became really good friends. I didn't know about tango at the time. Mm-hmm. He kept trying to teach me tango steps and I kept trying to bring him to salsa lessons.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay.
4: And I think because we were friends, he put up with it. He was really not. I don't think into salsa. He was very much into
1: tango. More into you than salsa. Is that right?
4: I don't know. Well, probably, but I don't know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you're very modest. He was a nice guy. You're very modest. (laughs) Okay. So, what... Let
2: her tell that story, El. Oh, shut up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Go on, please.
4: What really got me one night, only because in our office, which had carpeted floors, Tomas would try to teach me tango during work hours. Oh, shit. <laughs> I was trying to learn tango on carpeting, carpeted floor. and I was still not really into it because, of course, you know, you like tango for the music and, of course, for the shoes, right? I didn't have the music or the shoes in my office, and, <laughs> but it wasn't that appealing to me. <laughs> I said one night it was Museum Night in Berlin. Museum Night is where you can buy a full pass ticket to go to all the museums in Berlin, and all the museums are open very late at night. You got a free pass to go in and out of any event you wanted to mm-hmm. We went to i cannot even remember the this this what this was, but it looked like a giant airplane hanger, like an old airplane hanger. It was really neat because on top, they had all these moving lights. They had, at that time, it was, I, I don't remember what year it was, but at that time, Berlin had the largest Argentine tango dance population outside of Buenos Aires, Argentina.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay,
4: so this airplane hangar, which was ginormous, it had all these tango dancers in it. They were playing the music, and I thought, wow. This is tango. And I didn't even dance that night. I was just so amazed by what I saw, by the music itself. How, That's what kind of hooked me.
1: How many people showed up to that kind of event?
4: Oh, my gosh. I don't know. It was hundreds of people in there.
1: Wow. Hundreds. And an airplane hanger.
4: In an airplane hanger. Yeah. I mean, I can't. I don't exactly remember what it was. It was the music that got me. And just I think that whole night was just kind of fun. I had a really good time. We just went from museum to museum, but that's what stood out in my head mm-hmm. was the dancing at museum night. And it wasn't just dancers on I me. Mean, I remember there was like a large group of dancers that people were going in and out. I saw people there with kids and strollers coming in and out of this very large room where this incredible tango music was being played. I think after that I realized I was wrong to bring my office mate to salsa. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You were wrong. You were wrong in which way?
4: <laughs> that mean? I should have used that time to learn tango instead of bringing him to school.
3: <laughs>
1: okay. All right then. Well, I'll leave you in Germany for the moment and give your husband a chance to tell us a little bit about his history. Tim, can you regress us back to your? Uh, childhood and bring us, bring us up to date.
2: My name is Timur, and I'm an immigrant. I, uh, I come from a family that immigrates for living. So my, uh, my family is Korean, but we ended up living in Uzbekistan, uh, Yerevan, Armenia, Russia. Uh, but I always knew I wanted to come to America so, since I was a kid. So I used my physics career to, to come to UIC for a graduate school. And that's where I found Tango and Karen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> How old were you when you immigrated to the U.S.?
2: So, I uh, was 26 when I, came, I first came to U.S. Mm-hmm. in 2002. Okay. Came out to the PhD program in physics at USC. Uh-huh. Just like Roy was telling you, Uhhuh. That both accepted at the same year. Uh-huh. Before coming to America, I broke up with my girlfriend in Russia, and she didn't want to come to to America. So I was feeling lonely, homesick, and all that.
1: Mm-hmm. You said you were, you did all this immigrating. So your original country of origin is what?
2: Uh, my nationality is Korean. Okay. I myself uh, grew up mostly in Armenia.
1: Okay. And
2: but I was raised in the Russian culture.
1: Do yeah. you speak other languages than English?
2: Yeah, I, I had to I had to speak uh, Armenian and Russian both fluently when I was in Yerevan.
1: Okay. And then
2: when my family moved to Russia, I uh, forgot Armenian. I started speaking Russian mostly and slowly started learning English.
1: Ah, what did your parents do? Sort of? So. My
2: dad was a mechanical engineer in the construction business. Okay. And my mom is computer programmer.
1: So high tech. Okay.
2: But uh, my dad was kind of mostly out of the job since the Soviet Union fell apart. Okay. He, he could never pick up on his career, so he ended up mostly doing odd jobs.
1: What did they have to, s- to say about you leaving home and coming to a strange country? Do they have any reservations? Oh, they were
2: completely for it. Yeah, they, they were saying, yeah, do it. As a matter of fact, now the whole family is. Has no fear It all started with my sister and her husband. They said. Why don't you apply to this American university program that you can be accepted to, and that way you'll come to the country and have a shot to stay here?
1: Mm-hmm. And did you have any reservations about it? Did you feel like it was the
2: only reservation I had was I had a girlfriend in Russia. <laughs> <laughs> she made that decision to come here it was automatically breaking up that relationship because she absolutely, for some reason, didn't want to. That's really strange because most of Russian... Russians, when you tell them, "Hey, let's go to America," they will be like, "Oh yeah, 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 let's go." <laughs> <laughs> but Swan was, she was listening to her mom. Her mom was, "Yeah, you shouldn't go to America, and you're gonna end up in the middle of this evil country, and you will turning to God knows what to survive." and <laughs> so she, her mom scared her off and said forget about it you're not going anywhere
1: okay all right so
2: uh, it, it, you know it's a long process to get accepted to american school so i had two years yeah i was doing it for two years right right and in the course of two years she says i, I cannot do that what you're doing so forget about it
1: uh-huh was she was she in physics also or no
2: no. She was working. I was in physics. I was also working and being in physics.
1: Okay. Was- you missed your family, marital, fiancé-type relationship when yeah, you... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. When I, I
2: came here, I was uh, heartbroken and lonely. But at the same time, I was very excited and feeling happy that my dream is coming true. I finally came to and
1: <laughs> how did the people treat you when you came here were they receptive were they were they mean, yeah, yeah. It mean was very to you
2: good.
1: yeah. They were, they were okay No
2: mostly everybody was very good Okay and in in Russia being Asian was actually kind of not so good because Russia has very big racism problems
1: What do you mean in what For respect
2: like, there was a culture, uh, at, at at some point they had even skinhead problems. Skinhead. And at some point I was even, yeah, skinhead. Okay. I was attacked on the street, had a couple of broken uh, things.
1: Mm-hmm. So uh,
2: At that time, uh, severe raci- uh, racism problems.
1: So, uh, racial issues against Asian, non, non-Russian?
2: Asian, anybody non-Russian, right. Okay. All that.
1: But your did your parents they have the still same? They have
2: it to these days. Really? Yeah, my parents also suffered from it. Okay. You know, um, internationalism was forced in in Soviet Russia. Okay. It's it's like the government was saying, everybody has to love each other or we'll shoot you or send you to Siberia. (laughs) Okay? Okay. And when the things fell apart, then people were fighting each other. Okay. Uh, When I was leaving for America, uh, racism uh, became like severe in
1: moscow who paid for your trip to get here
2: my my sister was mainly uh giving all the money and supporting also my parents okay for the first couple of months yeah
1: family was behind you yeah, yeah. 100 okay. percent. for the
2: first few months the family had to support my staying here mm-hmm. but then once i became a full-time student comes with the scholarship In a form of teaching or research assistantship, so I started earning my own finances, and I was able to to cover my own living.
1: After after two months, huh?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, first two months you're nobody, and then in August you get enrolled, you become a full time student. Uh, They give you an SSN, social security number, and uh, your first paycheck. That's when all of us international students we went and purchased cell phones <laughs> from the first paycheck.
1: That's your right to passage in America. Get a cell phone, huh?
2: Yeah, in America, if you don't have a cell phone, uh,
1: let me stop you there and get back to to the wife. Wife, I left you in, I guess, in Germany, enjoying airplane hangar. So, <laughs> progress be from the airplane <laughs> hangar, please.
4: Okay, after my contract was over in germany i went through culture shock coming back to the united states because at that time i had already gotten used to the lifestyle of living in germany which was basically party every night buy groceries every day not have a car when i came back to chicago i had very much of a culture shock that was nostalgic for my time in germany and my friends in germany as well so i said you know what I should learn how to dance tango so my best friend here in Chicago his name is Phil Mm
3: -hmm. he
4: and I signed up for tango classes at tango anonymous Mm -hmm. it was nice because they played the same type of music that I heard when I was in Germany I think it's all about the music for me unfortunately after a few months of learning tango at tango anonymous they went out of business and stopped offering tango classes at the time it's not like now. At the time when I first learned tango in Chicago, there were not that many people who were teaching tango. It was very difficult to find tango what in Chicago. Was that?
1: What year was that?
4: Oh, I don't remember. When was tango a Omaha?
1: This is your story, sweetheart.
4: I don't remember. Like you really, no you you're
1: really old, aren't you? I have dementia. <laughs> you got
4: dementia. Okay. I, so, I totally have dementia.
1: Okay, so you don't remember about. Or when that was.
4: All I know is it was hard to find it.
1: Now, let me ask you this. You keep mentioning the music, but you said you love salsa. What's the difference between the music and salsa and the music and tango? What What was the main draw that you felt since <sighs> since you were That's gravitating music. toward? And I really like to know why you were gravitating toward tango when you said you really love salsa. So what, what was it that what was it about the music, or what was it about the dance? Uh, can you tell us about that?
4: Okay, the main difference. I'm not saying anything bad about salsa. I love the sound of a violin okay. more than I like the sound of a cowbell.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I thought you weren't going to say anything bad about salsa. <laughs>
4: Burned down for this, okay. Yes, I think so. <laughs>
3: I mean, are you gonna edit this out? No, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not um,
1: editing this out at all. This is you own it,
4: <laughs> <laughs> okay. What I find is that uh, as a person changes through life because my 20s. I partied a lot. Mm-hmm. And salsa is that type of dance that it's lively. The, the beat is the same, okay, uh, it, throughout the entire song. It does not change. If you want to drink and dance salsa, you can drink and dance salsa <laughs> and have a great time. Now. I don't drink, okay? I mean, I, used to say I would drink a little bit. I became allergic to alcohol when I turned 21, okay? I was cursed at 21. <laughs> which means I was drinking before 21. I'm going to get arrested, and my house is going to get burned out. (laughs) Because I had a fake ID, and I was going everywhere at, like, 18. So I would go dancing on a fake ID to clubs, and I would dance salsa. It was fun. It was a fun dance. It's lively. It's fun. It doesn't really require you to be in a close embrace. Because, I mean, like I could literally get totally blasted and fall, and it's not going to affect my partner in, in salsa. I'll still be standing if I fall in salsa. Because <laughs> you're holding hands.
1: For any law enforcement people that's listening, <laughs> I'd like to collect the reward for turning her in for, for underage drinking. <laughs> I've got a con- I got a confession right here. Please contact me and and let me have my reward. <laughs>
3: so,
4: so, and in kind of like tango music, there's a violin. It's very rich. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, it's a mini composition. If you were to think about, let's say you were to take because. There, it, it goes, it's fast, and then it, it speeds up, and then it's, it's very powerful, and then it slows down. So, like, imagine taking, like, Vivaldi's four seasons, complexity of that piece, and jamming it into a three-minute song. How I look at tango music, it's complex in that sense, is that the whole song is different from beginning to end, which is why I think it's very complicated to choreograph anything in tango. Because the music changes so drastically from one phrase to another. At that point in my life, I think I was all clubbed out because, again, I started at a much younger age than what normal people do. Mm -hmm. So, like when you start clubbing and drinking at 18 and going out late at night and partying all the time, I think I was, all that was like out of my system already. Mm -hmm. I was looking for something a little bit more. Sedate for like an older palette, I guess, mm-hmm. in terms of music and dance. Wow. I was looking for, so I was at Tango Banama, then they closed down. And so then I went back to, of course, I went back to Salsa because I couldn't find Tango really. Mm-hmm. It was hard to find Tango. And again, there was hardly any websites at that time. I think people need to remember that. Okay. It's not like you can find things like you do now. Okay. So I went to 720.
1: <laughs> Tell the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Tell the listeners what 720 is, uh, so people will have a form of reference, please.
4: Sure. 720 was a club in downtown Chicago, and I probably still was, on, I, mean, I think I was over age at that time. I was of age, drinking age at that time. Thank God. I, uh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> My friend Isabella, actually, she did come back from Germany To live in the States again. My friend Isabella, who I went to college with, she moved to Germany with her husband. I moved to Germany to work at the same office she did. I ended up coming back to the United States. She ended up coming back to the United States. It was funny because we worked at the same company again. And we didn't even know we were applying at the same company. We were working for Kendall International at the time. I wanted to go out dancing. So I said, let's go to 720. Now, I did not know there was tango seven twenty, mm-hmm. I don't know. You guys are like some underground thing that you didn't want anyone in or something. Like, I don't know. It was impossible. I didn't know there was Tango at 720. I was going to salsa. Obviously, salsa people are better at advertising than tango people are, for sure. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> I went to 720.
1: We like to keep the, riff-raffs for oh,
4: the yeah,
1: riffraffs from Germany and and people hanging hanging with pygmies out of the damn place, you
3: know
4: I think you're right. I think it is aborigines, but anyway. Okay. <laughs> Let's just call them indigenous people, okay? Oh, very the indigenous. Good. Okay. I went to 720, and I was taking us all to class.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: I was having a good time. I wasn't drunk.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: I heard a rumor that there was Tango on the top floor.
3: Right.
4: And I grabbed my friend, Isabel, and I said, oh, my God. I'm like, there's Tango up on the top floor. I'm like, we got to go. Mm-hmm. We go upstairs to the top floor. I'm pretty sure you were there Although I can't remember because she didn't introduce herself. I just remember a tall black man offering me a bowl that looked like a granny bowl from grandma's house <laughs> filled with some hard candy from Italy or something like that. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to dance. I was given candy and pretty much told to sit down. Somebody <laughs> else. <laughs> There's only one black person. <laughs> so I wasn't offered a dance. I was offered candy and a seat to watch on the fourth floor of 720, and I believe it was the fourth floor. There was, like, another floor, like, in the rafters. You had to, like, it was a small platform, if I recall, with, like, metal stairs going up to a very small platform. Somebody asked me if I wanted to learn it, and they said, you need to go up those stairs and onto, like, this suspended floating platform in the ceil- in the friggin' ceiling and I'm gonna teach you tango. Okay. And this was Milton. I go up these stairs with this man and he says, I'm gonna show you the tango basic eight. And he shows me this eight-step tango step. This is the embrace. So we got into an open embrace
3: uh-huh.
4: and he's like, okay, are you ready? And I said yes. Yeah. And I took one step and he says, No! (laughs) I'm like, it's one step. All right, fine. Let's reset. Let's reset. Okay? And he says, I'm going back into the embrace. And he says, Okay, are you ready? And I said, Yes. Okay, I take one step again. This is one step. And again, he says, no. <laughs> <laughs> 45 minutes later, I have not got past one step in tangle. 45 oh minutes. I'm still there, suspended on a platform. <laughs> Oh my God, I can't take it. can't get past step one. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, maybe I'm not mature enough for this dance. I need to go have a drink, come back down with the salsa people. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, come off of this platform. What happened to Isabella? Well, that's what's happening like I come down off this platform thinking, like, Uh I just don't have the maturity level for this. I'm going to go back downstairs and have fun with the salsa people because those people don't care what you do. Like, I could do more than one and salsa, (laughs) so I'm going back down to salsa. Uh So I get back down to the main level at 720, to the main fourth level. I'm not suspended. I'm coming down from the suspension now, okay? And I get down to the main floor Mm -hmm. on the tangle floor and I see Isabella and she's sitting there looking like terrible okay Okay. and I said what happened to you Mm -hmm. she's like this guy who looks like a vampire named Sashu you know (laughs) asked me to dance because I guess he's Polish and I'm Polish and he thought we could dance together and when he found out he couldn't dance after like in the middle of the song he brought me back to my chair and he says you sit you know dance you know dancer (laughs) <laughs> I, oh my! I said, God. yeah, you know what? I'm like, we got to get out of here, okay? i like, let's go back down to the birth wall, because this is crazy. Oh, my so, God. And I have to say, you know, it's really unfortunate, because my friend Isabel Won't Dance ever since then. <laughs> I mean, she was really, to this day, she still remembers the vampire. <laughs> <laughs> we will <don't laughs> talk about that. <laughs>
3: Okay. Yeah, so we went
4: down to the first floor, and I had to say, I mean, at that point, I said, okay, I'm not going to do tango for a while. Like that, that just needs to, like you know, stop. So I actually didn't do tango for. I'm going to leave you
1: right now for the husband. Husband, Tim, can you pick I'm up here. what uh, happened? How'd uh, you?
2: Yeah, so I spent one year also trying going to bar or uh, some concerts and meet meet some women nothing was really working out so i i decided to just concentrate on studying until one day roy said hey uh you guys want to go check out the tango dance lesson at uic and i thought what what now tango dance dance lesson what now he said okay him and my friend said come on come on let's go maybe we'll meet somebody there. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, remember, this is a bunch of physicists who never had a girlfriend. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I said, okay, fine. Fine, I'll just go there for like half an hour. Mm-hmm. But what happened, I came to your class. Mm-hmm. Your instructions were clear and I knew what to do mm-hmm. and things were working. At the end of the first class, you had 10-minute practice time where, you know, people who just learned the basic steps Mm-hmm. We're trying to practice it with each other. Okay. And I remember that uh, all of a sudden I see a line next to me of girls, and they're all telling each other, you should try it with this guy. He, <laughs> he seems to understand everything. <laughs> and then I realized, okay, I'm coming back next time. <laughs>
1: Instant popularity,
2: huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm the guy who who got it, you know? <laughs>
1: okay so
2: everybody would <laughs> like anybody would like to be described as the guy who got it
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> well, you remember what year that was
2: 2003.
1: okay about 2003
2: yeah all right my first single lesson ever
1: all right go ahead
2: learn the basic aids I, I still remember we learned basic aids and arches on five so everybody wanted to try basic aids and arches on five and I am the guy who got it. <laughs> Okay,
1: so tell me how things progressed. You had your first class, you in a new... Oh yeah,
2: I knew I was coming to your classes, okay, and after finishing your class, mm-hmm. uh, so he sent me a tango video. The, back then, there was no YouTube even, okay, okay. so
3: okay. somehow
2: he found this impact file with tango dancing in it,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and he sent it to me, and it was Pablo Verón dancing to Kezat uh, Santon that scene from The Tango. Who sent it Mario?
1: Oh, Mario. Okay, yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. Mario. Yeah.
2: And then to get in into obsession, he also started playing tango music in the Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, so and then I, I you gave us the card uh, to your studio. So uh, we came to your studio. Okay. Looking for more gotcha. after you finished our class. Gotcha. That's when I met, oh, yeah. that's where I also met Elizabeth, Lindsay Wool. Mm-hmm. Okay, I realized that tango is like a big community in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Well, fairly big. And it's very, they like me because I st- I'm still the guy who got it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Even though I just took uh, one month worth of classes, I'm still, on the average, I'm the guy who got it. <laughs> and then after a few weeks, Maya, Dunia, and myself we decided to try another Milonga and we went to the Lake Street Milonga right. at the at the gallery. Oh
1: uh, yeah, I remember.
2: Gallery. Bill Shaw. Yeah,
1: mhm.
2: Yeah, Erica and uh Douglas, Douglas. mhm. Right. So that's when I realized, okay, there's more people who are than tango. And then uh, I found a website called tangonoticias.com,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and it had all, uh, the schedule of all tango in Chicago.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: next stop was Pasha, where Jorge was teaching. Okay. Uh, and even there, I, I was still the guy who, who got it. <laughs> even Jorge, in his class, uh, when he saw me, he said, oh, okay, so you actually don't need my class. It's more for beginners. Uh, but I would appreciate if you stick around and uh, help my dancers to to, ex- to get some experience.
1: Keep the ladies happy.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, uh, I was so obliged to keep the ladies happy.
1: <laughs> you were the guy.
2: I was the guy who got it, yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. You are leaving 720 and never coming back to tango again, so bring, <laughs> br- br- bring, progress us up to date. So
4: So actually, I kind of gave up on the idea of Tango at that time. What had happened was, okay, Phil, again, who's my best friend, you guys are always living in the same neighborhood. Every time you move, Phil moves. Every time Phil moves, you move. You're always within like a, you know, 10-minute proximity of each other. Well, you were on Madison at the time, and Phil was living on Madison at the time. Okay. And he told me that there was Tango, there was a Tango studio that just opened up by him. So, okay. I searched the internet for, at the time there was internet, and the time I searched for you on the internet, and I found your website. Okay. Oh, my God. Okay.
1: <laughs> as, 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 I
4: understand that websites <laughs> were being developed at the time, but oh, my God. Okay? Okay. So, I searched for an hour for a phone number to call you mm-hmm. on this website. Yeah. Okay. And finally I got you on the phone. Yeah. And I said, I told you, I mean, oh my gosh, it was like 50 questions I had to answer just to get a class with you. Mm -hmm. I was going through some sort of vetting process. I swear the INS asked less questions than you did (laughs) just to get into this class. Um, And I said to you, I said, Al, this website is supposed to give people information. And it took me an hour to find just your phone number. (laughs) You said to me, Oh, well that's an IQ test. If You can't find my phone number. You ain't bright enough to learn this dance. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, well, you know, I would think that if I were to click the sign that says contact us, that there'd be a phone number that, You know, I could call, but instead when I click on contact us, all I get is a picture of outer space and all I can see is Uranus. (laughs) (laughs) Still no phone number, by the way. (laughs) Oh, my
3: God.
4: So then eventually, somehow, you allowed me to come to your class and that's how I met you.
1: Oh, you're making my stomach hurt. Uh, okay, well, in full disclosure, yes, we, we do have a vetting process and probably turn down more people than we take in. <laughs> Seemed that she was a little challenged because the, the, the phone number was on a banner going across the front of the, it the, the, front of the web. It was, no,
3: I my, it my,
1: my legacy website is still is still up. The banner goes across, and the number is big as day. A phone number and happily ever after. So I figured, I figured if she couldn't find the phone number, it was no sense in trying to teach her tango. She wasn't gonna make it. (laughs) So yeah, she told the truth. She told the truth. That's exactly what happened. And and but what she didn't tell you is when you send the email and you're successful, yes, it says welcome to Uranus.
4: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> it really didn't make any sense like, Actually, at first when i got to your tangle website i didn't even know it was a tangle website okay there's like all these pictures of people getting married and i said i mean am i signing up for like marriage counseling or <laughs> what is going on? I was like, is this a Tango website or is this like an efficient website to like marry you off? Like what is going on here? And then like, oh, it doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, why are you trying to navigate the whole website? Like every three seconds, like a video would pop up and people would be dancing. But then at the same time, people are getting married and like there's like there's dancing and outer space.
1: Uh, <laughs> okay, so maybe you can uh, tell everybody uh, oh, how you guys met and or however you want to bring us up to date on how uh, your dancing progressed, you know, whatever you remember.
4: I supposed to talk about how we met, but I have to say like it took, I went to your class, okay, yeah. and I really I probably was challenged because it took me three months to get on that beat. I did not understand what you were saying to me half the time. <laughs> like you kept telling me I wasn't on the beat, and I really did not understand what exactly the beat was. It took me a very long time to get on the beat, on the tango beat. Okay, that happens.
1: Yeah, I understand. Yeah, that nothing wrong with that. <laughs> nothing's wrong with that. It takes sometimes it takes a while to. It's it's an acquired listening taste. It's not like listening to a cowbell all night. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and since you, you took violin lessons, you know how difficult it is for, to learn the violin. And it's just as difficult to dance when there's a violin and piano and bandoneon involved, it's a little difficult. So, it's not your standard rock and roll beat. So, it it is difficult and nobody progresses past go with me or Milton unless you get... <laughs> hey, unless you can get on the music and Hey, get at least step one, right? You don't get past me or Milton. So, Yeah, 45 minutes, couldn't get past one, three months,
4: uh, not on beat. okay? So.
1: so there you go. Now you, now you know what we do. You know, it's not uh, your normal dance class. So, okay. Uh, Tim, is it any uh, insights you'd like to bring up for you, whatever you think is relevant? You tell me.
2: Yeah. So one day I come to your studio and I see Milton instructing Karen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought I should rescue her from Milton.
3: <sighs>
2: and then yeah, I realized uh, this this uh, this woman should be my partner. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so.
2: Unfortunately, uh, she has a boyfriend with her.
1: <laughs> oh, who? which one was
2: it? It was a short, skinny, blonde, Turkish guy.
1: Oh, okay. I don't remember. was what, his name?
2: Oh, David. David. David, okay. right. So uh, it was a mixed feeling, like, oh, yeah, I like dancing with her, but she has a boyfriend.
1: Okay, was the boyfriend a good dancer?
2: He took only one list, <laughs> and then he never came back here. So. <laughs>
1: Yeah, <laughs> good riddance.
2: I I always thought he could be a very good dancer actually okay. because when I watched him, I remember uh, he was you know very fit. He had a good uh, uh, control of his body movements uh-huh. and in general, yeah, I thought, oh, he should you know he'll be a good partner too. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But fortunately for me, he he didn't uh, uh, have so much interest. So he he never came back to think. What ran
1: the guy away? Miss Tim Scalise Ten?
2: Tim.
4: I don't know.
1: You don't have any clue Doesn't what.
3: Matter? <laughs> 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 uh. Uh.
1: uh, uh to anybody who's listening to this, this is why your your girlfriend or your wife shouldn't be listening to this podcast. <laughs> she will corrupt any woman listening. Don't let your wives and girlfriends listen to this woman. How did things yeah. How did things progress, sir?
2: One time, you invited Ken and myself to assist you in your UIC class. Yeah. And at the end of that class, uh, you told your students, okay, now here's Tim and Ken. They took my classes before. They're going to show you how it looks like. Mm -hmm. So you put on some Dizali music, and I danced with Ken.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. And then I thought, okay, it's just another day in the office. (laughs) (laughs) But then at the end, but then Karen came to me and said, You should have seen how they were looking at us. I said, Oh, yeah, they were. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't see that. <laughs> and then uh, she said, We got to be partners. Ah. I said, Okay, sounds very good to me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, typical tango female. I see. <laughs> typical tango female. Mm-hmm. St- Staking the claim, I tell you. Yeah. Uh, is that is that how you remember it, Mrs. Tim Scalise 10?
4: Yeah. Oh, okay. Probably. <laughs> I don't know. I just did whatever I wanted to back in the day. It didn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I'm kind of an opportunist. You know, if something works, I just go with it. I mean, I'm an opportunist in the sense that if something works, Mm -hmm. I'm all for it.
1: Okay. So, very good. So, the partnership worked out well, is that what you're saying? Yeah, the time. (laughs) 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 Okay. And uh, so, how long did you guys dance together as partners?
2: Okay, maybe you remember that we were in your studio day and night since then.
1: Yeah, I seem to recall that.
2: <laughs> we came to your presidential so We came to your Tuesday and Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we were everywhere with you. And then you kept sending us some more performances.
1: I I, I seem to remember that. Is that your recollection, Thanks. Mrs. Tin? Uh, Scalise?
4: Yeah, I think for me, <laughs> and I'm, I'm grateful for it because the thing is is that I think I really, I mean, now, after all these years of teaching, I find it very interesting that there are uh, people who have been dancing for 15, 10, 15 years, and they'll watch a performance, and they don't, they cannot deconstruct what's happening in a performance.
3: Mm -hmm.
4: When I first started, I I believe that my education is a lot, it was a lot slower for everyone else, because one, it was actually a very difficult dance to learn, but the way you did it was, okay, after I mastered something, you had me teach it right away. So if mm-hmm. we're walking forward, when I got that, you had me teach other people to walk forward, and, and that reinforced it. But it went more into I learned the basic as a follower.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And when I mastered the basic as a follower, I would teach the basic as a follower, and that reinforced my learning the basic as a follower. And once I got that, you taught me the leaders part of it. Mm -hmm. And so when I was able to lead well, you would have me then teach the basic following, leading, walking. Mm -hmm. I have to say that although this type of education took very much longer to learn in the long run, I couldn't be a penguin instructor now because I find that a lot of, Uh, the times, if you only know one side of the story, Mm -hmm. you're not really an effective teacher. Like you really need to know both sides in order to teach effectively. Without that, Mm -hmm. it it was like I was learning the element, learning how to, learning it myself, learning it, how to teach it, learning the leader's part, learning how to teach it. And I was learning how to teach at the same time. Mm -hmm. There was a lot going on in terms of my tango education that if I didn't have that I wouldn't be a teacher now
1: so are you saying that you willingly drank the kool-aid and you didn't resist No. You-
4: oh god no I hate it leading I hated it leading with passion I hated it oh my god I hated it so much thank you you know and it's so yeah okay sh- okay whatever okay so but you. Know, <laughs> I'll tell you this I worked in clinical research in clinical data management for a very long time and I have to say that I had a insane fear and anxiety of making uh, public presentations,
3: mm-hmm. And
4: I believe at that time I was transitioning from, I was working the same job over and over and over again. And I wasn't getting promoted because I did not like making public. I didn't like speaking in public. Yeah. And so what happened was the more I started teaching, the more I got used to speaking, Uh, to large groups of people. And and, and in fact, it helped my clinical research career because after I started gaining that level of being comfortable with speaking in public, I got a promotion and, you know, it was nice. I lived a very kind of glamorous lifestyle. I would travel all over the world. My company would send me everywhere. I made presentations to roomful doctors and nurses and you know, and it was funny because sometimes I would, you know, I would be in Prague or I would be in Peru. And after the presentation, it was easy to speak to people. And I would take them out dancing sometimes after our meeting. So, and that was fun because anywhere you travel to, you can you can dance tango. You can find a Malanga anywhere. So I have to say that it helped boost my um, public speaking confidence.
1: Tango did, you mean?
4: Tango helped my – club helped m- – me on my career path outside of
1: Tango. Yeah. Oh, I got you. Okay. And Tim, uh, did you have to do any following? Maybe. Uh...
2: You to follow? I want... Yeah.
1: Follow? <laughs> well, About? Yeah. Well,
2: you. Your class, you mean?
1: Yeah, you're a leader, but did you have to learn to follow? Or... Um,
2: well, I should say that <laughs> <laughs> you did not make me uh, do a lot of following, as I remember, because. I don't know why, but at that time you left me alone. Like, you uh, didn't enforce following on me. Okay. But then, at some point, you made Karen lead me, mm-hmm. and we were actually going through some crisis in our dancing partnership at that time.
1: What do you mean a crisis? What kind of crisis? I was a
2: very forceful leader, and I wanted my follower to follow everything I led <laughs> to the to the little detail. Uh huh while completely ignoring her comments on what I need to teach because I was thinking about myself that, you know, I'm not doing anything on
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a man to me.
2: Yeah, so I thought that I'm leaving everything right, and it's my... First given right to lead everything <laughs> in the dance, every microsecond of the tango track. You <laughs> control by me. I should know exactly what's going on.
1: Control freak.
2: Until uh, I, I followed, first time I think I followed Ken. Okay, you made me follow Vlad because he was a good leader. Mm-hmm. Then uh, Sasha was leading me, and then Karen led me, and that's actually where I realized. Actually, I enjoy following because <laughs> uh, I could, yeah, I could uh, sense all that hesitation, all the struggle, and at the same time understand. Uh, what makes the followers' job difficult? Okay, and then I realized, yeah, I was an asshole <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> when I when I would leave, I would lead an off balance happened, and then immediately
4: demands
2: full balance.
1: Uh huh. Did you want to add something to that, uh, Mrs. Uh, tin Scalise?
4: <laughs> well, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. is that if you teach a woman how to lead, they ain't putting up with anyone's shit, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like, I have more information now, okay? Both On both sides of the coin. Mm-hmm. So many times, I told this story before, that I went to another class,
3: mm-hmm. okay?
4: At that point, I was leading already. Mm-hmm. And it breaks me. I was in a class, and it was not your class. It was another class. Mm-hmm. We were shown a series of steps.
3: Yeah, hmm
4: At that time, I was leading, and I was watching this man torment this woman, and he was telling her, you're doing this wrong. Why can't you stay on balance? You Mm -hmm. can't do anything right. Mm -hmm. Your footwork is wrong, and you can't follow me. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, being a leader myself at that time, I was able to look at the situation. The girl was practically crying, okay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And for me, I was thinking to myself, you know, if she knew how to lead, she would know that he's not leading it properly, mm-hmm. that she was actually right and he was wrong. Mm-hmm. But he put all this self doubt into this girl's head. If she knew how to lead, she wouldn't be crying that day. I knew that. In a lot of ways, leading is very empowering. It's not easy from an empathetic standpoint, you know, for women. And I'll say this for the women who about their men leading you don't know what it's like until you walk in those shoes either mm-hmm. leading is very complicated mm-hmm. you have to be able to control yourself and your balance mm-hmm. you have to help your you know i mean you don't always have good followers either you have to help the follower maintain her balance if she's not balanced you have to know the music Spot out your steps before they even happen. It's like a chess game. You have to have, you know, four steps already in your head that you know you want to initiate. Mm -hmm. You have to navigate a crowded dance floor, and you have to mount the steps so your follower knows what you're leading. So, Mm -hmm. essentially, I do believe that if both sides were in both roles, overall, Mm -hmm. it would be a lesson in empathy where we're not so hard on our partners. Mm-hmm. No one has an easy job in this dance. Mm-hmm. The dance is hard.
1: This is part two of episode four. As you can probably tell, our classes and teachers at Tango Chicago are not for the timid or faint of heart. We don't train women to be passive crash test dummies, to just shut up and follow. And we certainly don't train our great leaders to be mindless, self-absorbed bullies. This interview ran more than five and a half hours. I guess after 15 years, they both had a lot to say. However, we distilled their stories to about two and a half hours. So after a word from our sponsor, we will continue with part two of episode four. And just when you thought you heard it all, another husband appears. Join us on the other side to see if the tango queen bee keeps both men or kills them. See you on the other side.
0: How are you surviving this age of volatility, uncertainty, complexity and ambiguity? What fears hold you back? What gives you resiliency? And what dreams are inviting you forward? I'm Elizabeth, also known as Dr. Elizabeth Ann Stewart, a board-certified, professional-certified life coach. You can learn more about my services at embracingpossibility.com. I would love to hear from you and learn how I can be part of your transition into a new career, a new business, or a new self. Just mention this podcast and receive a complimentary no-obligation phone session where we can explore next steps. Goodbye.
4: Hello, Algie.
1: Tim, so you discovered that you were an asshole,
3: <laughs>
1: and right. and and that your dance partner was was right all the time, and you were being a bully.
2: So I tried to make some adjustments in the way how I dance, and you know I think at that time our repertoire, in in terms of like dancing and the stuff that we were performing, was growing. Mm-hmm. So I think we were we were in a pretty good shape at that time because. You made me follow. you were teaching Ken how to lead, and we were both having good balance and we were even though with a lot of fights, we would still come up with some kind of middle point where I wouldn't be such an asshole, mm-hmm. and then give her some time to embellish and uh, to showcase her.
1: uhhuh uh, that's a hell of a lesson to learn for sure. You guys dance how long together? How so, long We met
2: in two thousand and three. Mm-hmm. We became officially a couple in two thousand five, I think. Okay. By two thousand seven, we also got married, and that actually put a lot of stress on our relationship because now we are into each other's face, and all that tango criticism would pop up in our domestic fights now, <laughs> which is not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't take out the garbage. You you're not leading on beat. You're not leading volcadas. I hate volcanoes. Don't tell me what to do.
1: <laughs> so so there Take was out
2: the garbage. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so there was an overlap into your personal life and your tango life. Is that what you're saying?
2: Yeah. Uh, I mean, in general, I had a lot of crisis in my life. I realized I was in the wrong research group while changing from one group to another. I made a mistake in that too so I jumped from one bad group to another bad group. okay, so Karen and I were well kind of engaged uh, we will never we were never were officially engaged because mm-hmm. you know I was always first of all i don't I wasn't familiar with Americans if you are in the relationship it's immense role to, you know, initiate things such Mm -hmm. as let's get engaged, let's get married. Mm -hmm. So I was always playing number two. I was always following Mm -hmm. the events. I was like, okay, uh, shit-seating fan, I'm about to go to Russia. What are we going to do? And then Ken said, well, I'll marry you so that you'll stay. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was hesitating there. Okay, I was thinking, oh, is that the right thing to do? No, I should. Of course, my feelings were hard, hurt in the process. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, I realized I was being a, also on top of being asshole. I was realizing I'm being an idiot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So when I realized that, I said, "Okay, sorry about all this. I'm, I'm not thinking straight." So yeah, let's get married. And that's how we got married. So
1: Miss Ten Scalise, what did you want to uh, make any corrections?
4: <laughs> well, I was coming out of Germany, and I was, it was kind of like jumping out of a frying pan into a fire, so to speak, because I had just gotten out. Yes, I know I was dating David, and I know I was dating other people in between after David, but at the same time, I don't, I think my heart was still in Berlin. Mm-hmm. Okay, part of me was still in Berlin. Mm-hmm. Um, I was dating, while I was in Berlin, I was dating Christopher. Mm-hmm. When I left Berlin, technically Christopher and I didn't really break up. And I never really had that in a relationship where it was open-ended. Usually, uh, I broke up with somebody and, like, it was over, right?
3: Mm, yeah.
4: <laughs> 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 but, like, there was no closure to that relationship. Yeah. There was no closure to that relationship. Okay. At the time, I didn't feel like moving back to Berlin. He wanted to come to the States, but he was actually studying to be a doctor. Uh, a cardiologist in Berlin, and I said, you know what, I can't have you come here. I'm like, you're going to have to pay for med school. What if it doesn't work out between us? I was still very young at the time. And so we agreed to kind of just live and see what happened, but we weren't together anymore. It's strange when you have that kind of scenario. I don't like doors that aren't fully shut. It's weird to me to have this non-ended relationship And I have to say, that was the most painful thing I ever had to go through. Is that for no apparent reason, we had to break up just because of distance, not because we couldn't stand each other anymore. I was still very much into him. Mm -hmm. The thing is, I think it took about three years to get over that relationship. Him and I were together. I was faced with the same situation. Here it was again, the same situation where it's like an open ended breakup. Yeah. All right. For no reason other than. There's going to be distance between us.
3: Right, right. And
4: I said, I, you know, I don't want to go through that again. It was, like, way too painful. In life, I realized that I'd rather give it a shot mm-hmm. and see what happens mm-hmm. than look back on my life and have the regret of not knowing
3: mm-hmm.
4: what could have happened. Right. Okay? I wasn't going to allow that to happen again. Mm-hmm. So that's why I said, whatever. We were dating already. I did not want to go through again what I went through after coming back home from Germany again with Tim.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you guys are, are married, and how did the marriage go?
4: Oh my god! <sighs> well, you can't
2: complain about first year. I think first year was fine.
4: You know what? I don't even remember a lot. Of- <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Sorry.
4: <laughs> I mean,
1: You don't remember who was- you were married to?
4: <laughs> I don't remember who. I don't remember <laughs> okay. anymore. I don't remember anything now.
2: I can, uh, no. I can help you remembering. First of all, do you remember the amount of money that we earned from the wedding? Was it small or big? Did we earn anything? Do you remember any of that?
4: I mean, I don't think we earned that much from the wedding. Your parents gave us a substantial amount of money. But at the same no, no, time... no.
2: Look, I remember this. We had money in our bank account, and we had lots of gifts. Okay? So I remember... First year we were just spending all that money. We were partying, nonstop. We we're going on the trips, Vegas. We bought that three thousand dollar couch.
1: How much money are we talking about?
2: About twenty grand from her family and a little bit, yeah. Twenty grand? And my family? No, yeah. we did not
4: have twenty grand. Karen,
2: it was twenty thousand dollars combined between the gift checks and like the money that we got in from our parents.
4: Get
1: out of here!
2: First year Al was nice. There was plenty of money, a lot of projects, a lot of spending, (laughs) a lot of partying.
1: (laughs) Miss Tin Ma Scalise embezzled money from the marriage and you don't remember how much it was?
4: I did not embezzle money from the marriage, okay? Because first of all, I was working. Yeah. I was working, and you're talking to somebody who actually, through most of her life, has had at least two jobs. Yeah. Okay, so the thing is, is that you know what? $10,000 isn't that much. He
1: said $20,000. He said $20,000.
4: Yeah, but the 10000 from his parents, we never touched it. We didn't go through that money. $10,000 is not a lot of money. After a year, I mean, you think about mortgage, it's close to $2,000 a month with all the bills and everything else. Mm-hmm. That's really not a lot of money.
1: Okay. So what Tim thought was a lot of money was just... Pocket change for you?
2: A little extra money,
1: yeah.
4: Uh huh, okay. $1,000 is not a lot of money. But it was
2: It was good for us to have a very nice lifestyle, okay? Let me put it that way. For
1: the first year?
2: For the first year, yeah. So? I mean, we were going on the trips.
1: Well, where did you go?
2: Uh, we went to San Diego, we went to Las Vegas. Where else did we go? We, and you know everywhere we went of course we danced tango and all that that's how i remember those places
1: did she take you to the amazon
2: no oh. i wouldn't go to
1: amazon <laughs> <laughs> okay all right so so what happened in the second year uh,
2: so then in terms of my career i was i wasn't making a good progress so i started to stagnate plus from all that nice chunk of money we bought really nice computers and then I was playing a lot of video games. So I turned into that husband who's sitting at home playing video games. Mm. So that wasn't good.
1: So sounds like there was a little problem there. Miss Tin Scalise? Was it a problem?
4: Yeah, it was a problem. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think?
1: Well, I mean, you know, you loved your husband. You didn't mind him playing a little computer game while you were working, did you?
4: If you make money, you can play all the friggin' video games you want to play. But that was the thing, is that there was no money coming in. Or there's a very, I mean, the the disparity between his paycheck and mine was insane. Mm -hmm. I was not going to allow this to continue.
1: Okay. Did you explain that to the hubby?
4: Did I have to explain that to a husband? (laughs) Does that need explanation? Yeah, but of course, I did explain
1: that to him. In other words, this wasn't about infidelity, another woman, uh, staying out late at night with drinking and with the boys. This is all about finance. Is that right?
2: Not really. Look. You just don't understand that. It's this new generation thing. When a person is a gamer, it's like having a drug addict in the house, okay? So I was...
1: Which one was the drug addict?
2: Me. I mean, I was basically playing day and night, and she would come home. I would even barely say hi to her. Wow. And then uh, she would discover that I ate all the food from the fridge and didn't take out the garbage.
1: (laughs) Hey, you are bad okay,
4: you were in my life okay while I was working while I was working cuz I and again I was back at Northwestern okay so I, I mean I this was the second time I, I left left Excel, and I worked at Northwestern again but at the same time this was my life okay I worked at Northwestern as a supervisor from 9 until 6 I got home at 6 that means I had to get dressed and go get ready and be at Tango by 7:30 Mm-hmm. Then we would dance from 7.30 until 3 o'clock in the morning,
3: mm-hmm. and then
4: we this was, like, my life for many years. Yeah. I mean, it's actually not easy. And then trying to manage the house, so between working a job and then going to tango at night and teaching tango. I and-
1: understood one question. Did you ever play any computer games?
4: Yeah, I play games. <laughs> Everyone plays games on their phone and on their computer.
1: <laughs> so, so it wasn't just your husband, right?
4: Honey, I'm bringing home the bacon and teaching tango. And somehow I can find some space to play a game, okay? So the thing is, is that the idea is to prioritize your life in, a, in such a way that it's beneficial to you. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is that, I mean, whether people want to believe it or not, money is a necessity.
1: Okay. All right. I understand. You understand too, right, Tim?
2: Yeah,
4: yeah.
1: Oh, okay. All right. So no no, no discrepancy in, in in what happened, right?
2: No, look, uh, I, I had time to cool down and look at everything what happened and realize what I've done wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, but what happened, happened, right? We didn't invent the time machine to go back, so...
1: I understand. Uh, I right. just
2: have to understand what I did wrong and then uh work on it. All right.
1: That that's the mark of a great tango man. You admit when you're wrong and move on, right?
2: Well, sometimes you can lose good things in in the process.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, unfortunate. There you go. Mrs. Uh, Scalise, how long did the marriage last?
2: 2 years? How many? 2. 2 years. Wow. Okay. Yeah, well we were dating about five years before we got
1: married
4: and then two years married. Uh-huh. Hello,
1: Al Hi hon. Where's where, almost... where's the other half of your family?
4: He's you're on the couch.
1: We're doing some analyzation here.
4: Uh,
5: uh, I thought I was going to tell you all my, problems,
1: all my problems oh well stay on the couch that's good you're in the right position we we want to hear them hey, hey listen if you're married to a tango woman you got problems no doubt about it We we all say a prayer for you at the end of the night believe me That's what I need. Uh, He knew the rules. He knew the rules? I knew the the rules going in. Well, okay, then you can't complain now, can you? That's right. So I'd like to tell my audience that I'm speaking with Bob and Karen Scalise. Oh,
4: you got the name right.
1: Everybody knows about the wife. She, she did a tell-all, and uh, and the police are looking for her for underage drinking. And and they may maybe some pygmies is missing some artifacts. And she may not be in America long. They're gonna send send some people to confiscate the artifacts. So. I'd like to hear your history, so we can see how these dynamics all merge together. One, can you give us a little story about your background, where you went to school, how you were raised, what you do for a living, anything you care to share?
5: Yeah, then yeah, then I went to Depaul.
1: Was it diverse? What? How did you find Depaul?
5: I thought Depaul was pretty diverse, but you know, my ride, my bus rides to and from school. You know, it had a lot of diversity in it. So
1: so you, ha- you had to pass through the hood then, huh? <laughs> How did you find IT? Was it going- was
5: great because you got to deal with code and not people. Okay. I, I found that I was able to use some type, so a little bit of my creativity because to me, when you code applications, you're creating something.
1: Yeah. Okay. So you got this management job. You're taking a lateral move. Yeah. So
5: actually, not, not lateral. It, it was a step backwards.
1: So less uh, less money or just less authority? Less what?
5: Less authority and less... Is it a pay cut too or no? No. We came to an agreement that Sally wouldn't change, but I, I don't get the bonuses anymore.
1: So that's what we call white privilege. You take a step backwards and you still get the same pay. That wouldn't happen in the black world. Hey, I take a step backwards and they open the door, I'm falling out the door. They say, Oh yeah, well we don't Al. we don't need you in that position anymore. <laughs> yes? Out
4: Rob came home last week. Yeah. He went from being the chief technical officer of his company yeah? to vice president and he was asking why people did not congratulate
3: him <laughs> on his emotion. <laughs> and I'm like, you got a D-motion, <laughs> not
1: a So now I need to know some details about you and the wife. How'd you meet the wife? And do we need to call the FBI to help get you out of the house safely? I mean, <laughs> you just tap on the phone if... She's threatening your life, and we'll get you out. We'll try to get you extricated safely. So
5: no, I, I think she's just trying
1: to. I, I'm not that worried. Um, <laughs> it, it is, it is my house. <laughs> <laughs> so if she's on good behavior, if she doesn't behave right, she she might be extricated. Is that it? <laughs> or, or she can leave. you
5: know. <laughs> no, no, but how do we met. Not- Haha we met. I was going through a divorce. We, we actually were working at the same company at the same prominent firm called Estellus, but then when we found out that I found out that she went to the same grammar school as me and became very intrigued.
1: Oh yeah.
3: And then
5: the next thing you know, I'm dancing tango with her ex husband. I I never I never danced with a guy before, so that was <laughs>
1: <laughs> well that that's sort of that's sort of required in our studio. <laughs> hey, hey, you gotta dance with everybody. <laughs> well, excuse
5: me, do I dance with Vlad too, so
1: <laughs> Well well things considered, if you can stay in the same room and have a pleasant interaction with an ex husband, I think you came out pretty well, don't you think so? Well, I, I think she knows which was the better of the two. <laughs> so you were a part of the better deal than the original is what you're saying. <laughs>
5: yeah, I mean, I took the garbage out, so at least I get that.
3: I that. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, is Tim
5: gonna listen to this? <laughs> When I got divorced, my sister stopped. Talk- my sister and my older brother stopped talking to me. Oh yeah, I am now the black sheep of my family. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Bob's not supposed to get a divorce. He's Catholic, so they they ostracize him from the family because I don't. I, I feel any hostility coming from the ex-wife. I feel hostility coming from Bob's siblings.
1: So are you the only person in the whole family? group that's ever been divorced or separated uh, no
4: all of them are divorced and separated <laughs>
1: just a one. well wait wait a minute that seems like a double standard wait a minute you you really are black <laughs> <laughs> you mean everybody's divorced and you the black sheep of the family no you're really black <laughs> yeah. Well, it's Karen. It's Karen's
5: of my battalion. <laughs> uh,
1: has, has your wife remarried? Uh, not according to my paycheck, no. <laughs> well, well, if it's like that, she's never going to remarry if it's going to be financially less. Profitable. Oh my
4: gosh. We we have. Did we offend everyone from your sister to people at church to the police at at church to the people we went to elementary school with to.
5: Wait a minute. If if my family gets a hold of this and my sister and brother, I'm going to have to move to Mexico.
2: (laughs) I don't know. You want to make your interview very long? The story didn't end there, right? (laughs)
1: <laughs> am I leaving out anything important, guys? What do you mean? I'm just asking, am, you know, am I leaving out anything, uh, uh, Karen? Did I leave out anything? Oh, you
2: know that after we got divorced, we still were dancing and teaching together. Oh,
1: okay. Well, that's something that that's of interest.
2: <laughs> oh, my god! That's for Act 3 of this story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well.
1: Well, that's that's a pretty interesting tale. Fell in love, you married your wife, you divorced your wife, then you end up teaching together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, tell me tell tell me about that. Let's hear that.
2: So, it's my turn or are you on Ken to say
4: that. Well,
1: yeah, let me hear from from the wife.
4: <sighs> okay. This, this is this is a very strange scenario. Anyone out there who's listening? who have been through a divorce. I understand we did not have children together, but usually when people get a divorce and they don't have children, they go their separate ways or they have a divorce and that they share children, they drop off kids back and forth and the speaking is minimal. Imagine getting a divorce and then having to go to a workplace where you're seeing your ex-husband or ex-wife for the next eight hours and working together. <laughs> that is insane. <laughs> Like, it's insane. Like, that actually, it's, that is hard to do. I don't know how long that actually lasted, but I found it that tango is interesting in the sense that, you know, you have your milonga, which is very upbeat, and then you have the waltz, which is very graceful, you know? And then you have the, you have publiés, where it's just like anger. It's the whole, <laughs> like, in a lot of ways, I think there was an expression of anger in our dance that made us better dancers at that time. <laughs> <laughs> because it literally looked like a fight on the dance floor
1: <laughs> <laughs> did you enjoy
4: it? <laughs> I, I did actually <laughs> in
2: a weird way of course because at the end of the tango dance you want to look around and see what reaction is people have. Uh-huh. <laughs> and when you realize that people were in- amazed by that fight, you're like, okay, we can just fight on the floor and people will love it.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I find that the mo- the things that motivate me in life, that gets me off my butt to actually do something, motivation comes to me in the form of anger. Okay, That's usually what gets me moving in some sort of direction is anger is a huge motivating factor for me you know I mean, why do people want to change the world it's because they're angry about something or why do people you know do what they i mean i don't know maybe some people want to change the world because they want to make it i have no idea all i know is that anger is definitely a motivating factor for me so
1: okay so you're divorced dancing with anger and passion how did you end up doing business and getting in business together?
4: Well, I mean, I think at that time, I I really broke away from the studio because there did get to a point. The anger actually did move me out of the studio eventually because I think a lot of times when people get a divorce, they might think their anger anger is directed towards their partner, like they're angry at their partner or they don't like their partner or they hate their partner or what have you. But a part of me, I think, when I came to the realization that I was yes, I was angry at my ex-husband, but a portion of me realized that I was angry at myself Mm
3: -hmm. for making
4: mistakes in life, Mm -hmm. for having a failed marriage. It takes two to tango and it takes two to be in a marriage. And I'm sure that it was my first marriage and there were expectations there.
3: Mm
4: -hmm. But at the same time, I think when I realized that the anger was not only directed towards my ex-husband, I was angry at myself for a lot of the things that happened. And every time I saw him, as a reminder of a mistake that I had made in my life,
3: mm-hmm.
4: when I got to that point, I really needed to completely remove myself from the studio.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: That's when I went to Coltango Twenty One. But at the time, I forgot what the name of the moanga was. But it was with Jorge, mm-hmm. so I moved to another studio and I was working with Jorge at the time, and we were doing performances all city, mm-hmm. but. You know, in a lot of ways, and at that time, I felt like I was betraying you because you were really the person who taught me. But at the same time, I couldn't stay at your studio because there was that issue with my ex-husband and seeing him all the time. Mm-hmm. So emotionally, I did not want to be at your studio. I need to find something else. And at that time, I started working with Jorge.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Understood. Where was your head, uh, sir? Yeah. While well, she was
2: okay chronologically right we started dating in 2003 married in 2007 uh, we finalized our divorce in 2010 and uh, i went to new mexico los alamos for one year of uh, my physics practice and over there man it was so boring there was still tango and i of course found tango you know (laughs) Once you train somebody out to dance tango, they'll find it anywhere.
1: Mm-hmm. Tim, how did they like you in mm-hmm. New Mexico?
2: Now, I still was the guy who got it. <laughs> but uh, uh, so people in New Mexico, the dancers, were generally much older than in Chicago. They were these retired or semi-retired people. They were doing well enough to like have a hobby like a tango. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of people I was hanging out with. And okay, you know, there were there were none no younger or attractive uh younger dancers. All the Milongas I went to I was dancing with people who were like forty or sixty years older than me. Mm-hmm. And you know, they all could barely keep their balance or that was like the only public that I could dance with. I remembered your lessons that I should make any woman look good on the floor. Uh, even if she can barely walk. Right. So <laughs> I applied those lessons there, and people in New Mexico, uh, yeah, they really liked me for that. But at the same time, for me, it was a very good practice on connecting on the floor with anybody. Absolutely. Immediately adjusting to their uh, physical abilities and everything. hmm You know, you need to, like, assess what they are able to do very quickly. Mm-hmm. Because you cannot spend one song in the thunder uh, assessing the, your partner. You you should do it much faster. Because if you spend one song, they're already going to be feeling bad you know, if something didn't work. Mm-hmm. This experience allowed me to compensate for the partner's issues or adjust to them like instantaneous.
1: Speaking about that, I want to stop you there for a second. Karen, elaborate on your experiences in, in a Milonga. I would like the listeners to hear what what a great dancer feels when she's dancing with either great dancers, mediocre dancers, bad dancers. What what's what's your experience in the longer
4: I don't know. <laughs> I don't go to Milonga.
1: Yeah, but when you okay. did when you did go to Milongas, tell me what your experiences were.
4: I don't, you know what? It's very difficult to explain that only because I had a set dance partner, and Tim for I don't know how many years we were together. The thing is, we were trained to dance with each other. After there was Tim, I danced with another instructor. Going to Milongas hard being a female instructor, you know, in your life as a woman, I mean, and I don't want to put gender roles on anything. Okay. But the leader is supposed to lead and provide for you or the husband, whatever. It's like you have somebody who is supposed to take care of you on the dance floor. Well, being a female instructor, it's like you're still taking care of everyone on the dance floor. Kind of you're supposed to have a leader who's taking care of you on the dance floor, but being an instructor, you're still Taking care of everyone all the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe you should edit this out. This is probably not a good thing to say on the air. I should re-roll that back.
1: No, I want to hear the truth.
4: The truth is, is, that okay? I'm in stilettos. Okay, I'm dancing in three, four inch heels.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: You know what it's like holding up a 200 pound man in four inch heels. <laughs> okay, like I, as a follower, I'm still a leader. Okay. Okay, because I've had people lose their balance, and I had had to hold people up on very thin heels. I know very, a lot of good female dancers are able to do that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, tango, in the perfect world in tango, you're giving 100%. Mm-hmm. Your leader is giving 100%. Your follower is giving 100%. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, if you're dancing with somebody who is operating at 20%, that means you as a follower have to, have to give 80% to this dance. So you have to compensate for people and their levels. You know, being a female... It's kind of hard because sometimes you do. You just want to turn your brain off, and it would be nice to follow if you trust the driver. Maybe I have trust issues. That could be it. No, (laughs) I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's one thing in life that you could always trust. You could. I hope that everyone in life at least trust themselves. Mm -hmm. They got it under control. They have it. Things handled.
1: If you had one or two things to recommend to followers what would it be? And then two things to recommend to leaders. What would it be?
4: (laughs) (laughs) You really want to hear what I have to say? Yes. For the follow words, I feel if your leader is offbeat or if your leader can't do what they're supposed to do, Mm -hmm. you have two choices. You could take control or you, you can, you you have an option Mm -hmm. state of mind. You could take control and not let them know that you're in control if you're that experienced, yes, you can kind of get somebody to dance on the, it's possible. And I've done that. Your state of mind is your state of mind. And you could choose to be upset with the situation or you could turn that situation into something that anyone can enjoy. One of the lessons I've learned, I and I had done a performance once. And afterwards, somebody asked me to dance and he was a beginner.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: You know, I guess it does get tiring. I know that this is my job. Tango is my job. Mm-hmm. I agreed to dance with him. He was stepping on my feet. Everything was going wrong. I do get kind of upset and I get kind of increasingly angry when that happens,
3: mm-hmm.
4: especially after a performance. You just did something really perfect, and then you are dealing with something that's not as perfect, and it could be harmful to you.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: I pretty much did one tando with him and didn't dance with him at all that evening. Now, another female tango dancer who has, who's probably been dancing a lot longer than I have, okay? She danced with him, and he couldn't lead anything because he couldn't, but she went along with the flow, mm-hmm. okay? Like, she just went along with it. She was smiling. She was having a good time. She was spinning. even though know, there's no really spinning in tango. She was spinning on her own, mm-hmm. but she was able to make this guy feel good. I know I made him feel like shit because I was angry, okay? But <laughs> she was able to turn that around. And it kind of opened up my mind a little bit about it. You know, I do take tango seriously because I instruct and I want people to do well. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you should learn how to have fun with it, too.
1: Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, is that the two things for the follower that you're recommending? Yeah. What's the two things for the yeah. leader?
4: Here's the thing. For the follower, and it's kind of contradictory, it's either take total control over that dance or surrender completely. Is that contradictory or what? Okay, like it's your choice. For the leaders, I would say they should learn how to follow. They should know what it's like to be on the other side of the coin. Understand that any movement that they do is being transferred through their body to their follower, and the follower is going to react accordingly if she's a good follower. I think that's the biggest thing is having an open mind and learning how to follow for the men. Also too, I think the ego has to kind of be put aside. Now you have to understand that maybe you think you're a great dancer, mm-hmm. but here's the thing. I could take a woman off the street mm-hmm. and I could put her in a room with 10 male dancers. Mm-hmm. She's going to know whether or not you're doing things right. Because if you can lead somebody who's who has no tango experience mm-hmm. and make her look good, and she feels good, mm-hmm. then you know you got a win win situation there. That's my advice.
1: And what what exactly is the advice on the, what was the last advice?
2: Learn how to follow.
1: Well, that, 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 was follow. The, that was the first oh, one. But yeah, this... men should
4: learn how to follow, and men should realize that even though you're dealing with a beginner woman, she's not stupid. If she dances with 10 guys and gets to you, don't think that she doesn't know that she danced with an instructor and then she dances with you, even if she has an opinion. I would just say the ego and the pride need to be put aside sometimes and to realize that.
1: Okay, well, I'm a little confused, but I'm sure you know what you're talking about. Tim, same question.
2: Okay, so two things for the leaders. (laughs) (laughs) One uh, great tango instructor told me, you go to a milonga where nobody knows you. Uh Uh-huh. And you, you can always give that lady who sits all by herself all night. Uh-huh. An older lady who no, nobody talks to, nobody dances with. Go to her and ask her to dance and make her look good, make her smile, and then the night will be yours. So that's the first thing.
1: The night will be yours in what way?
2: You'll have a line of dancers <laughs> who want to dance with you.
1: Okay. All right.
2: And, uh, yeah, it works every, every time. Okay. Even the milongas that are in the city that I used to frequent. Two years later I go there and every place is new so nobody knows me. So I have to kind of like reestablish this and I follow the same protocol and it works every time.
1: <laughs> okay,
2: All right. I go to the least popular lady who nobody wants to dance with and I make her look good and make her feel good, make her smile
1: uh-huh.
2: and then the means how to do it is keep it simple and keep it pleasant. You don't have to show every step that you learned.
1: Here, here, I agree. I agree. What, yeah. what's number two for the for for the game?
2: Number two, like Ken said, learn how to fall. Okay. Learn how, what it's like to be on the other side.
1: And how does that help?
2: First of all, you will. So tango is a very intellectual dance. It's most of people who are enjoying this dance, they enjoy also thinking and analyzing everything.
3: Mm-hmm. Maybe
2: a little too much sometimes.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But anybody who has brains and can see the experience of what it's being like, to always project that experience. Oh, am I doing this?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Am I coming to and sweating in a bed shirt, mm-hmm. or am I stepping on people's feet? Mm-hmm. Am I pushing and pulling? Mm-hmm. Is my breath bad? All these little first these things, and then coming more to being offbeat and leading something impossible. So yeah, it's a eye-opening experience that will always make you question your self-image.
1: Ah, and two things for for the follower.
2: For the follower, like Ken said, uh, followers also need to learn how to lead to gain. Some more confidence it hurts me to see how many times women come to a tango and you can see they're completely beginners mm-hmm. and new and you don't understand this uh, dynamics and all that uh, politics going on mm-hmm. and then they leave and never come back. I think that if they have more confidence and more positive attitude they could actually survive first uh, bad ex- first few bad experiences and then become really good tango then
1: so what you're saying is that if they come in as a newbie,
2: they... Yeah, don't give up so easily. They
1: have bad self-image, a bad low self-esteem, they're not going to make it in tango.
2: More like they trust too much that people who give them a lot of criticism, mm-hmm. destructive criticism, or they trust their work too much. Okay. Because, you know, unfortunately in tango, like in any other community, you have all kinds of range in skill, and people who are not at the top of their skill uh-huh. tend to criticize others more for some reason <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: okay and uh, i think that was one of karen's points uh that if, if the ladies yeah. uh knew well, how to lead they know that you yeah. can
2: agree right it doesn't have to be something different but maybe could contradict what said. don't pretend
1: <laughs> okay don't pretend
2: uh, so don't. a lot of women in Tango they pretend.
1: What are they pretending?
2: To love the dance with, with the the dances that they shouldn't love.
1: What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? I'm lost.
2: They would get stepped on their, on their feet. Mm-hmm. They would be pulled and pushed, but they would still smile and say, "Oh, it was enjoyable. It's, it's fine." Oh, I see. Uh, and that encourages that dancing. Okay.
1: If a woman is sitting all night and she gets to dance with one person who's stepping on her feet, what do you want her to do? <laughs>
2: Take them to a tangle <laughs> Okay. This uh, is the thing, because uh, people don't want to babysit and raise new dancers. Okay. They want to come to Milonga and get served. They just want to experience a good dance. Well, what kind of work did they do to deserve it? they don't go to a studio and help produce new dancers who would do it right, mm-hmm. they would be in a better situation. Okay. But So yeah, the, the thing is it's a conflict between studios and venues mm-hmm. because a lot of people feel like if they attended so many tango lessons, they can stop and they can just keep going to Milongas. Okay. Where they sit and expect to be invited to dance okay with somebody. And I'm thinking that it should be more of a community group where nilongas and studios are much closer related Okay. To the classes. So that's what I'm saying is followers will generally get higher quality dancing during the class.
1: Go ahead and make your point so I can understand what, you, what you're what saying.
2: When you're in the studio and you're a follower and there's a teacher supervision and then you can discuss with your leader what went wrong and, you know, Okay. Under the teacher's supervision, discuss uh, who needs to fix something. Okay. And then the teachers rotate their students, so she will have the experience of dancing with everybody in the classroom. Right. Okay. That's one scenario for a follower. And then the second, like you said, she went to a milonga and sat all night, and nobody invited her. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Which venue uh, produces better experience for followers? Oh, I see what you're saying. I would say it's class.
1: Yeah, well, she right. can't. So, yeah, but she can't stay in a class forever.
2: Right, and a lot of these women who sit all night and nobody asks them to dance, and they keep complaining that nobody's dancing. them, I don't see them in the class.
1: Okay, so what you're saying is they they are not uh, working on their technique in the class. Well, anymore. not
2: just dancing technique, where you only you know know how to move. Tango is also a social thing, right?
1: So yeah. Yeah.
2: If a person goes to class, she would have a bigger circle of partners. Oh, I get she you. She only goes to Milonga.
1: I get you. And
2: okay. she would she would have more open communication with them mm-hmm. by saying, oh, you know, Joe, I like dancing, but when you do, valve, you do this and this and that, could you work on this? And, you know, if he's not uh, an asshole, he should say, okay, I'll try or, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I understand. It's more
2: controlled. And, and yeah, of course, it's requires more tedious work Mm -hmm. but if you want to enjoy something you need to work
1: (laughs) all right i I understand that point
2: nothing comes for free
1: so karen what do we leave out i'd like you to uh, speak to something you know about Uh, as you said it's pretty difficult usually to get in our classes we screen everybody we do a lot of profiling we like to know people are serious and uh, but we do uh, remove more people in the class than we keep in people get get expigated oh
4: yeah i've been kicked out 3 times because i was <laughs> accused of knowing the rules but i didn't know what the rules were
1: <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> yes that's true i think i should ask your husband uh tim what are some of the reasons that people don't make it in our classes? Can you uh sort of give some examples of the people that w- that we remove out of the classroom?
2: Okay. So, on a big scale,
1: Mhm. Give me give me the I think give, give me the no-nos in the class so people understand why people don't make it in these classes.
2: Okay, so this lusty sexual kind of things where people uh, want to meet one night and uh go go for a date Mm -hmm. the same day Mm -hmm. uh is a big no-no i remember people being kicked out for sleeping with somebody's wife or girlfriend
1: yes yes and
2: you know starting some issues in the studio so if you are a sex game sex game player then you want you'll be exposed and you'll be kicked out (laughs)
1: definitely definitely any, anything else um, comes to mind? That's
4: not the reason why crazy. I got kicked out, though. I just want to make a clarification <laughs> that that is not the reason why I got kicked out.
1: <laughs> oh, are you feeling guilty? Are you feeling guilty no. or
4: something? No. No, I'm just saying. Well,
1: yeah. hey, I'll give you a chance. Uh, Tim, anything
4: I'm
2: else? I'm just speaking statistically. Uh, of course, you're extraordinary, so you're not in this particular. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what, any, and then bigotry is another thing why people could get kicked out, kicked out, if they, uh, all of a sudden start talking about each other's background, discussing that, mm-hmm. uh, then uh, there's no place for that in the studio.
1: Racism and bigotry, okay. Sexism, and bigotry. sexism, ageism Sex, doesn't matter. Racism,
2: uh, racism, bigotry. All right,
1: good. Any other any other uh, things thanks, that come uh, to uh, mind?
2: intentional You're, recruiting for our uh, compa- uh feeding tango studio. Well, yeah. That, that. Yeah, that's... Where a, people would come and say, hey, why are you wasting your time? You're not going to learn anything with this guy. Come to our studio. Oh, yeah. So that, that's another... Uh, yeah, that, that happens,
1: but not as often.
2: But not as often, right.
1: You remember the guy we got rid of who used to ride his bike from the north side and... He would come in sweaty with his T-shirt ringing oh, wet? Oh,
2: just stubborn. So, yeah, uh, we had the guy who was a postdoc, actually. mm mm-hmm. uh, But he preferred coming to the studio after his bike ride an hour long, and he was all sweaty and uh, had body odors. So I think the, the, the ladies discreetly complained to you, and you told him that he needs to address this. And he was in denial. He was stubborn, and he eventually started fighting about that stuff. So.
1: Yeah, but now he's New York's problem. We don't have to worry about him. <laughs> so, so the New York women have to deal with uh, the ringing wet guy. Okay. And uh, Karen, uh, you do you know any people that got excavated, for any? Other than myself. <laughs> <laughs> and and yes, she didn't do any sex crimes. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> that we know of. <laughs> oh
3: my
4: god. So so <laughs> Oh my god.
1: So any any other reasons people might not make it uh uh beside the fact that they can't find Uranus? <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, I think at the time, I did not understand, okay, because I was not a studio owner, I was not a tango instructor at the time,
3: mm-hmm. okay,
4: but now I, I understand it, is when you're trying to teach somebody, you want them to have some sort of consistent lesson plan, and you want to be able to teach them consistently. Yeah. I believe that when students go to several instructors, it only delays in their understanding and their learning of tango, because... I'm a beekeeper, so, you know, I get so many different advice from so many different people, and it's all different, okay? Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, you're going to end up even more confused than if you would have just stayed with one instructor. Your instructor, and it doesn't matter who it is, your instructor has a lesson plan how to get you from point A to point Z, and there's a methodology to it, okay? Mm -hmm. Any kind of interruption into that methodology is going to set you back. So your instructors have a lesson plan lesson plan for you they know that they're teaching you certain things because it's a prelude to something else Mm -hmm. and I think that's it is frustrating like I think that's why you want your students to stay in one place because Mm -hmm. you know they go somewhere else and then they're asking you questions that are not relevant to let's say your teaching style and there's many types of style teaching Mm -hmm. out there so I can see how somebody could get kicked out it's like kind of make up your mind we're fine either way Mm -hmm. what you decide but make up make a decision
1: I agree. Uh, that's that's pretty standard. Uh, well, people will roam and experiment, but, yeah, it makes it more difficult. So, let me just...
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, well, I guess, you know, so after I was doing the tango performances since then...
2: You got married and you moved to uh, Elmhurst.
4: Well, Okay. Do we want to continue on the timeline, or what do you want to do?
1: Yes, ma'am. Tell tell, tell the story. You're, you're under oath. <laughs>
4: <laughs> okay, so how I got to the point where I'm at now, uh, I was working with Jorge. You know, I learned a lot working with him, especially about performance and showmanship. Mm-hmm. He's very good at that. Despite the fact that we performed well together, our styles of teaching were very different. At the time, I was thinking this is not the style that I teach. I, will, I want to teach my own class. I was very at a loss at that time because I couldn't go back to your studio because I didn't want to work with my ex-husband again. With Jorge, I realized that we taught differently and I want to teach your, your style of dancing. It's mm-hmm. like if I was to say, "Who you know, Jorge was very good at performance and Mm -hmm. showmanship I still because I've been with your studio for so many years I've learned that style of teaching I want to continue that line of teaching I was in a class a life coaching class with my friend Kelly it was interesting because we were talking about life coaching to learn how to be life coaches and our life coaching teacher said to us so who wants to know what a life coaching session is like Mm -hmm. and everyone's hands shot up I looked at my friend Kelly and I said we should raise our hands, like, we should, you know, so slowly my hand came up, and he saw my hand came up, and he's like, we're going to use you, okay, the story that you've heard so far, I pretty much told this whole story, a lot of the story in the class, and I told them, I prefaced it with the marriage, the divorce, you know, what I didn't know what to do now, I felt like I was betraying my old instructor, yet I still enjoy performing with, you know, jorge but at the same time i felt like i needed to be my own person and my own instructor and do things the way that i wanted to do them and, you know, when i would tell the whole story like half the class was like crying i mean i was almost crying because i was like i don't know what to do he he pretty much talked me out of it but it just so happened that i had in the class with me was a man who was the I think the director of intramural sports at IIT. And his name was Jason Neal.
1: What? Explain what IIT is. Please.
4: IIT is the Illinois Institute of Technology. It's a university in Chicago.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: At this university, it's very like before me. I mean, the students are very into themselves. But I didn't know that. That's when Jason from IIT or Coach Neal said to me after the class, he's like, I really like your story. He's like, I want you. He's like, I think IIT needs a single instructor. I was kind of thinking back by that, because I'm like, you haven't seen me dance, you haven't seen me teach, like, you're just going to hire me like that? And he said, give me a call, and then come down to the campus. What had happened was, I called him, he said, why don't you just come down to the campus, I'm going to give you a tour. Mm-hmm. I went to IIT, and he brought, we walked around all of IIT's campus. He showed me where all the buildings were. And I'm thinking to myself, like, what is going on here? Why is he doing this? Mm-hmm. The whole time we were walking through the campus, he says to me, you know, he's saying hello to people. He would, we would pass somebody on the sidewalk, and he's like, hi there, how's your day? When he would say these things, the students would look out at their shoe and continue walking faster. No response. Okay. Mm. By the end of the tour, he says, did you notice something? I said, nobody responded back to you. He's like, that's exactly the point. He's like, this school is great at academics.
3: Mm-hmm. But these
4: students need more than academics. They need to know how to socialize, face-to-face with people. Right. Okay. They're hiding behind a computer all day. They don't know how to socialize. How are these kids going to get out into the working world without social
3: skills?
4: Mm -hmm. Face-to-face social skills. And I said, okay. And he says, when can you start? And I said, you know, I'm starting in a week or two. It was interesting because when I first started, I had a group of students. They were disheveled. They looked like students. The guys looked like they never combed their hair. The girls were wearing flannel. Everyone was looking pretty like tore up I guess you know class you know what made me really love this dance is that by the end of this class you know, the girls were wearing heels and skirts the guys put on they you know, would comb their hair and look decent you know. mm-hmm. I mean having this impact okay no matter how small I think it's nice to see that you made some sort of difference in somebody's life even on a social level even if they never dance tango again mm-hmm. you know it's okay because I think they learned something in this class and that was nice
1: absolutely that was your foray into your own class
4: it was i worked at iit for a while and then i paired up with koi again koi and i actually koi was from your studio Koi's great, okay, like he's just, he's been very supportive. After working at IT, there was a while where after divorce, I didn't really speak to many people because, you know, when you're going through something like that, there's some sort of time where you kind of regress into yourself and you do a little searching. And Koi and I, were, we weren't talking for a while, but then we became friends again and we started a conversations. I had been invited to teach at UFC before, but for some reason I didn't want to do that one alone. Koi asked me if I wanted to teach at the University of Chicago. I agreed. Marco Membelli, who's also um, an instructor who's currently teaching at U of C right now, he invited, he was like the head of the Tango group at University of Chicago. So he invited Koi and I to teach (coughs) there. We were there for several years. I really, I enjoyed the students at IIT and I really enjoyed the students at U of C as well. Teaching college students were fun in a lot of ways. They're young, they want to have a good time, to be serious, they they don't fight you too much on what you're presenting to them because they're already students in the classroom. They want to learn. So we had a stint at U of C for a very long time. Chloe also went to, um, to teach at DePaul where he met a director at DePaul, which led me to work out a movie choreography for a movie called Deadly Embrace. It was a very short film about tango. I got to learn how to operate on a movie set We taught the actors how to dance tango. We had also picked the music out for the film and everything else. So I've had so many really, through tango, I think I've had so many very interesting and wonderful experiences Mm -hmm. that I would not normally have had Mm -hmm. in general through tango. It's been a very rich life and experience with this dance.
1: Wow. Tim, anything you want to add to? Mm -mm. You want to add something to this story? No, no. Okay. All right. Does that tell us everything we need to know about your tango? Where where's your student body coming from now, Karen?
4: Oh, I forgot to tell you about that. I'm city, my favorite place. Well,
1: you're you're elderly. You're a little old. So. I'm elderly.
4: Yeah. Well, I mean, but that's not it. I guess there's a lot. Even after the movie, looking at you you know. Also, I taught with you at UIC for some time, and then at Northwestern. But eventually. I got remarried. I met my current husband uh, at work in the pharmaceutical industry.
1: Does he dance tango?
4: <laughs> you are actually Bob can. He can.
1: You're such a <laughs> liar. You are a <laughs> you are a liar. No, he,
3: can.
1: You no, he, 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 he a liar poor
3: Bob.
4: He can't,
1: okay? Poor Bob. Yeah. I love Bob. <laughs> poor Bob. <laughs> he, so, sorry, Bob.
4: <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I can't say that he's not like an avid dancer. Like he doesn't go out dancing. But, your husband. You know, you really- your
1: husband teaches soccer.
4: I know my husband teaches soccer, but at the same time, don't you know? Don't
1: accuse him of being a tango dancer.
4: <laughs> no, he can dance tango. He really can. And you know, and you know why? Because it's like before I have my lesson planned, I will run things by Bob before I go to class. Sometimes uh-huh. I've lifted Bob. Uh- <laughs> No, Bob has been really great because he's kind of like my crash test dummy before classes sometimes. Like sometimes I'll say, hey, I want to try this out. And, you know, he could do a basic, he could do a waltz, he could do some, he could do a forward ocho. He still remembers how to do the grapevine and he could do these things. Mm
3: -hmm. But he's
4: not dancing actively, but he is like my crash test dummy before class, which is really nice. How I started teaching out here in the suburb, I had moved to Elmhurst. And the first year, it was actually really kind of depressing for me because there was no dancing out here. I wasn't dancing, getting used to, you know, married life. Things were different. We were doing a lot of construction on the house. You know, after a year, I was getting kind of antsy. And I actually got sick. I had the flu or something like that. I had to go to the doctor. And I didn't have all of my doctors are in the city at Northwestern. I had to find a doctor out here, so I picked any doctor in the book, just whoever was open. I go to the doctor's office.
1: So you went to a urologist?
4: No, I <laughs> what are you talking about.
1: You say you went to any <laughs> was like, doctor? He, was he a urologist?
4: now oh <laughs> <laughs> urologist. There must be something about fate, okay? Because. I go to this doctor's office, and as I park the car, I see this sign that says Ballroom City. I said, "Oh, I'm like that's a dance studio." So I, I was so happy because I love Ballroom City. It's a great studio. It's fun. It's fun to go there. I mean, I I mean otherwise, you know, I come to you, but you live like 45 minutes away or 50 minutes away. Oh sure. Um, this is literally 15 minutes from my house. It's a beautiful studio. I started a whole new class out here, uh, and then Tim and I worked started working together again. <laughs> at that point, <laughs> I just don't learn. I guess
1: the more things change, <laughs> the more they stay the same.
2: You were you had multiple male instructors, by the way. You were rotating them. Don't you remember?
4: Yes, I know. I always like rotate the men. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yes, get your wife out of the room. <laughs> Don't let them listen to this. This is going to corrupt the women in your house. Cut it off right now.
4: <laughs> because, you know, but that's the best thing, actually, every person that I've worked with, I have to say, every person that I've worked with, I have actually, I've learned from them, and they've offered something to me, actually. I mean, yes, of course, I'm a whole person. But at the same time, Marco Marco has been a very good friend. He has a lot to offer. He explains things in a way that I would never think to explain. You know, he uses different words to explain things. And sometimes you have to hear it from a different person. Coy also is <laughs> is a very fun person to teach with, too, actually. All the instructors that I've worked with are very good, top-notch. I'm glad that they're my friends. They know They know how to teach. They have the same style, you know, that I'm teaching in. And so I have benefited in a lot of ways from working with multiple people because you get used to the same rut. Sometimes you need a different perspective.
1: Okay. And, Tim, did you need to contribute anything?
4: Oh, shit. You know what? Uh, I hate this. I forgot to mention that my brother taught at IIT with me.
1: Yeah, and that's why your brother needs to disinherit you because you treat him like crap. (laughs) I don't treat my father. poor Eric. Eric? She's a lousy sister. Get rid of her. Poor poor Eric. You are, you are always right, Eric. She's no good. <laughs> hey, she is no good. Actually, she was probably uh, adopted, Eric. She's not really She's not really a good sister to you.
4: No, Eric actually played a very, I have to roll back a little bit. Eric, Eric played a very integral part at IT because that was my first time that I had left two studios where the instructors were my mentors. At that point in my life, IT, I had to let go of the mentors in my life and start my own thing. I do have to give my brother credit for helping me during this time because I went from the mentee to the mentor. That was not easy during that time for me. It was a very volatile time, and Eric was there and he supported me through that. I was a bad cop, he was the good cop when it came to class. He's very encouraging, my brother. Well,
1: I hope this makes you feel better, Eric, that she left you out. And that you were just an afterthought, but i ho- I hope this I hope this makes up for for the lack of her remembering her own blood brother. There was
4: so much that went on. Okay, I can't remember everything. There's, I mean, there's I'm sure, there's so much more I left out of these. Things.
1: Well, okay then, Tim. Did you leave out anything you'd like to say?
2: Came to America with a uh, uh, with physics in mind, but I ended up doing Tango took a huge portion of my life, and part of that was married in tango. being married in Tango. That's definitely an experience that was extremely worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Extreme and worth it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, but definitely it was worth it. Okay. Uh, so I'm really happy that this whole thing happened and being married in tango. I had the best partner I could, uh, I could have, mm-hmm. and there. Uh, and uh, I was lucky to have you as an instructor because you helped me to be the guy that got it.
1: <laughs> Sounds like a commercial.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but. Seriously, it's like uh, we haven't been dancing what now three months, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm still thinking, okay, if the world doesn't end today, I'm gonna first thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go dance some tango.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you're a tango addict, that's for sure, no doubt about it. Uh, Miss Ten, Sir uh, did you want to add something about anything that we we left out? You want to tell people about your bees? You want to tell people about your garlic?
4: My garlic and my bees. I have been very busy. I've actually started another business. I raise my own bees and make my own honey. And then also I have a new company called KM Organics where I'll be selling plants and vegetables and garlic and passion fruit vines. And that's what I've been working on. I miss Tango a great deal, you know, I miss my students, and I can't wait to get back either I mean it's gonna be it's gonna be good to see everyone
1: well, so this has been a real odyssey in the life of two great tango dancers, two great tango teachers, and I'd be remiss if I don't say that. These two and myself would be evaluating your dance skills, your technique, your musicality, your connection, your frame, your creativity, how well you embellish, how well you improvise. This conversation gives you a little glimpse on the people that will be critiquing the private virtual classes that we're doing. I hope it gives you a little insight into the insanity and mentality that we exude. You have to be a little crazy to dance tango and I assure you that the people you're listening to at this very moment are a lot crazy. But the thing that I can guarantee is based on our teaching technique, your dancing will improve exponentially. And if it doesn't, it's free. That's the guarantee. This is Al Gates, Tango Chicago. I hope that you'll have a happy and safe beginning of your summer. And thank you for listening. Hi, this is Al, Al Gates of Tango Chicago. If you've made it this far, you're a true tango junkie. We hope this episode four has given you your fix. Be sure to follow us so when episode five is completed, you will be notified. I'm sure you will find the next episode just as inspiring informative, relevant, and hilarious as our students have always been. If you have questions or comments, please leave them or visit our website at TangoChicago.com. Lastly, our sponsors make this podcast possible. So when you spend money with them, contact us with your good or poor reviews of their performance And we will give you a $25 to $50 gasoline card to compensate you for the time that you take to write the review. So, again, thanks for listening. See you on the next episode.